Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, uh, Conversation Edition. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, George. And tonight, I should I say tonight, most of y'all are probably going to listen to this in the morning. Uh, tonight, we have got a very special lazy-ass episode for you. And by that, I mean neither of us did any preparation, and that's because I just drove across the country and... And I am now in a trailer, freezing to death, uh, because the heat doesn't work. So I've got a little space heater, and I've got a little um, hot plate going. But that's the only source of heat I have, and it's it the temperature's plummeting out there. And there's not even any snow to insulate the damn thing. So I'm just uh, here in a parka with the hood up. <laughs> it, the situation is dire. Excellent. Uh, and I'm just kind of exhausted because i've been carrying the weight of 800 years of irish oppression on my back for the past month and i'm just kind of worn out um and i'm also getting sick so yeah i don't i don't have anything that's okay man so we're just gonna we're just gonna give you guys a little a little discussion this week and we hope you'll listen to it but we're not gonna be offended if you don't but i will i will say that like conversations with George are never normal. So it's, I don't think you'll be bored. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this week it's going to be lazy as fuck. And then next week, I think we're going to start another series, but I'm not telling you what it's about because I haven't decided which series I want to start. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so He's yes, here we are because he doesn't fucking know. That's right. That's right. And I'm lazy and everybody knows it. So, uh, yeah. So we had a we had a topic in mind for this week, which I kind of like, uh, because I personally have a, a lot of... Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and the topic in question is basically, how did our <laughs> perceptions... What? what? Uh, no, no, I was just going to say, this This sounded like the, the lead-up to a DTR. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I just, I just want to know, Aaron, what are we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just like on a bench somewhere at night. It's like two in the morning. We've just kept this going for forever. For and four nobody hours. Wants... Meanwhile, yeah. I'm like taking my 4 a.m. smoke break and I'm like, those fuckers are still there. <laughs> <laughs> Story um, of college. Yeah, really though. Um, but uh, yeah, so this, this, this week's topic, which I'm very excited about, is how did our perception of history change throughout our lives? And... I personally like this a lot because my perception shifted dramatically uh, throughout my life. Um, and I don't know if it's the same for you, George. I don't know if you had that dramatic shift, but for me, it was something like a, a little bit of a, like a, I don't know how you put it, like, it's like the Matrix where they offer you the blue pill or the red pill, and you're like, I don't know. And I've been taking, I took the blue pill for most of my life, and when I finally dug deep on this podcast and, you know, started taking red pills... Um, suddenly the world started to make a whole whole hell of a lot more sense, but also I was confronted with some very, very scary shit, which I don't like, uh, being confronted with, but now I chase after, like, it's my goddamn job, because it is, uh, because I'm addicted to finding out what really happened or entertaining alternate perspectives on the, uh, narratives that we are fed in high school and middle school and whatnot. But I don't know if you had a similar experience, different experience. I mean, feel free to share. I know you're dying tired, and even the espresso and Adderall aren't working now. Yeah, we're gonna have to gonna have to move up to something stronger. Yep, <clears throat> finish meth. Here, I was actually thinking. Uh, can you mark this here? We should open sure. a document just so we can highlight something in case one of us wants to, you know, like get something in there. Um, yeah. Okay. Because right now we have no way to indicate that, and we don't want to just be talking over each other. All right, let me just get Google Docs. Do 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 Still logged in all my work emails. Hold on. <laughs> Disgusting. Highlight doc. Burr, burr, burr. Well, you know what? Let's just go to the Ireland Four doc. Cool. How's that sound? Yeah. You want, you want a link? I think. Oh, yeah. Because I forgot that was all weird, and we had to keep sending that one. Back and forth because it wasn't working. Yeah. Wow, there's so much okay. fucking Ireland. Like, four, oh, like, fucking 
big documents. Yeah. You worked your ass off. <laughs> and But here's the thing, is like it, it's paid off more than any series we've done, so you can revel in that. And <laughs> <clears throat> revel I will. <laughs> I see you're in the dock. Oh, I'm in the dock, baby. Okay. So yeah, we can just like sort of highlight it, you know, just... Yeah. We'll just stay on the first page and highlight if we want to interject something. Sounds good. So yeah, I guess from here, um... <clears throat> let me mark this again. 617. So yeah, as I was saying, my perspective shifted many times over the course of my life, and I'm wondering if you even had close to that experience. I mean, not really, mostly because... This is going to sound really fucking weird. I try not to have a perspective broadly uh. on history. It's kind of like how I don't like that. I don't like ideologies. Um, I don't like necessarily having a specific lens through which I approach any topic. Rather, I like to just sort of dig into experience interact with and engage with something and see where it takes me. I don't like to start out with the presuppositions that kind of a specific perspective or ideology imposes. Um, I guess in a way that probably is itself kind of a perspective or ideology, but you know, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around what you mean by that exactly. Cause you know, I try to go at these things without having like a, any preset notions i like to consume these stories like with a with a clean mind so to speak um but i also do like to connect events and characters um to other events and characters that i've read about and you know with my red yarn and my cork board you know um so i don't know yeah no it probably just comes i've i've spent far too long in academia and so i am just so done with fucking theories um you know literary theory structuralism deconstructionism new criticism mm -hmm. narratology freudianism like <coughs> sort of determinative sets of rules and method to engage with with material i'm, I'm just mm. over that um i like to just sort of try to engage with each new piece of material offered to me on its own terms without making up my mind beforehand how I'm going to engage with that. So, yeah, so, sometimes my, you know, if I'm researching things, sometimes my research looks really, really different than in other things. You know, like, sometimes I think this is something I really, I need to read, you know, some memoirs. I need to read some real first-hand accounts of. Other times it's like, those might be interesting, but that's not actually going to give me a clear idea of what's going on. I really need to step back and approach this broadly. I mean, other times, I, the best way to engage with something is visually. Like, I need to, like, I need to see, you know, the the buildings. I need to see the setting here to really feel like I'm engaging with, with the history. So it's all about adapting my engagement to the specific thing. I don't like to say, this is how I engage with history. Rather, I like to sort of... Just be ready to do whatever, whether that means just reading primary sources, whether that means reading actual scholarship, God forbid, or like <laughs> actually looking at archaeological remains, or even sometimes like reading historical fiction, depending on the era. Like to really dig deep and sort of feel like I'm getting in the zone of some historical period looks different every single time. Huh. Well, I mean, I'll just I'll just relay um, my experience with with history throughout my life. I remember when I was a kid, the first time I had a history class, it was the hokiest goddamn thing I could <laughs> ever describe. It was this, uh, I, th I believe it was a Christian program. Um, and basically it like went, it was the history of America. And it went from like the Puritans and the English Civil War, uh, you know, all the way up through 1776 into this, you know, the American Civil War. Um, and then, obviously, all mostly pretty much up to modern times, but we didn't spend much time in Vietnam, if you know what I mean. Uh, but, <laughs> you were the lucky ones. Yeah, there were, there were. We had to learn songs, and there were coloring books, and all this shit. And you know, it was uh, it was entertaining, but I didn't like think anything of it. I didn't realize like this is the story of you know our nation or us or anything like that. It was just like. Ah, like, here's some story. Oh, we were, you know, pilgrims at one point. We were, you know, some 
something else at another point, and we were heroes in World War II, uh, all that shit. And then I just stopped paying attention to history at all. Um, probably up until I got uh, into college, honestly. Um, I didn't have to take that many history classes. I read some historical books. I read uh, Manhunt, that book about John Wilkes Booth, but that's about that's about the... Uh, the, the scope of my interest in history until I got to college and had a had a world history class and I had a professor who who uh, had been studying it his whole life had been fascinated by all that shit um, and Wait. I didn't what sorry what was the um, the world history class was it um, like what was what was the, what are the parameters because that can mean a lot of things like was it actually like fucking brought stone age to modern times or did yeah. it focus on something yeah it, it was stone age to modern times essentially um but obviously the further back we were in history the less detail we had so we worked our way through prehistory and all that stuff pretty quickly and spent a lot of time in the uh 15th 16th 17th 18th yeah all the way up through the 20th century uh spent a lot of time there but we spent the most time in the uh 20th and 21st century. Uh, and that's why I have such an interest in, in 20th century history. Uh, but I had a professor who made us learn it. You know, it wasn't an easy class. Uh, do you have something you want to say? Sorry. I, I was going to say, you're, <coughs> you're leaving out the, the darkest and most terrifying part of that process. That is, that's also the semester on a, a dark and dreary September night when you happen to sit across from me in the dining hall. That's true. Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, it's all been downhill since then. It has. And this is this is important. George, I will give you credit where credit's due. I was, as far as history goes, I was essentially a normie when I first met you. I didn't know a damn thing about what... I was like, the Civil War looked like... It was so simple. It was about North and South and, you know... Like, Lincoln was assassinated, and he was, you know, the god of the world. He was the coolest guy. You know, I was, like, classic American. Like, I accepted the typical narrative of, like, America's the best, and it's never done anything wrong, and it's not related to anything because it's independent. And then, and I, and I also had one of those notions in my mind that the, uh, oh, the evil crusades were all bad, and there was no reason for any of them to happen. And so I sit down across from this dude, and I'm like, He's like talking about the Crusades, and I'm just like in my mind, I'm going Crusades bad, Crusades bad, and then I just start hearing all this conflicting information, and it hasn't stopped since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we talked about the Templars and oh god, what was topic? Topic number two might even have been Romania. I think Romania came up pretty early. Really. Yeah, I have vague memory. Yeah, because I was listening. I, I I had some sort of weird playlist of like weird ass Romanian neo folk or something that oh, I was yeah. listening to. Uh, and yeah, so it was, yeah, we had Romania. I know Ireland obviously came up because you know <laughs> I I was all was and still am into that. Um, and who knows what else? But yeah, I remember we walked around campus for like four hours after yeah. uh, after we met because we were just gonna we both lived in the same dorm and we were gonna walk back to the dorm but we were having a really interesting conversation and both you know young precocious little freshmen and we're like let's walk around campus so we ended up walking <laughs> around for four hours as i like expounded about the the templars <laughs> and i just kept asking questions i was just like because i was so fascinated um because anything counter to the narrative i've been fed was interesting because you know, I, I had in my brain, like, the Crusades were all bad, and there was, you know, they were just pointless wars, and um, there was no reason, and the, the, the players were all bad except for Salah Hadin. Um, I had all that in my head, and uh, to be confronted with conflicting information uh, piqued my interest. I think for a lot of people, when they hear, like, the official narrative is not exactly correct, they get a little bit scared. They're like, have I been lied to? Oh, God, like, what else is... What else have I been lied to about? And they, Wait, are the British not the good guys? And yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I know. Because I was there. Um, but I never ran away from it because I think I'm just kind of a weirdo like that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, my my relationship with history changed dramatically when I met George. And uh, it it only got... I only got more interested in history when I took that class. Um, and we covered... 
specifically the communist uh, revolution in Russia. We spent a lot of time on that. And at the time, I was also listening to hardcore history. Well, briefly after the class ended, I started listening to hardcore history. And I listened to the series about um, about World War One, And it blew my mind. I was like, all this happened? These people were... They were there. It's not just grainy photos of like a guy in a mud pit, like with a rifle. It's like they were actually there, and then it, it started to become really real for me when Dan Carlin broke it down. Uh, not to, oh my my, what the hell is that? Yeah, there's gonna be some weird noises on my end of the audio tonight because like I got a hot plate and a space heater running, and I'm <laughs> wearing a big coat. Um, but after, ah, so yes. after recording, <laughs> just like our ancestors did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the medieval podcasts were, you had to be bundled up, otherwise it didn't work. So I'm being a really traditionalist podcaster right now. But anyway, so after I I got... We live in a monastery, lower (laughs) lower inscription. (laughs) Um, so yeah, what's interesting about it is, once I really started, like, researching and studying stuff really closely, I started to realize how rare it actually is for somebody, for people to at least partially understand the temporal context in which we live because it's like oh yeah like we you understand that say you live in a city or you live in the country and you know your your house has been in your family for however long or you know whatever you, you understand all that but like where you are on the timeline uh very few people really take an interest in understanding mainly because it's been presented to them as boring uh, and we've discovered, or I, at least I, I discovered rather quickly that it's actually not boring and that knowing what came before you is actually really good for helping you contextualize what's happening today. Uh, you know, it's like that saying, you know, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it or something like that. Um, I think that's true, but also if you don't know your history, you're probably in a way, if you're the if you're the right kind of person, you're sort of doomed to think everything's gonna fail and you're gonna die and it's all gonna end and all this shit. Um, but like with all these with all these existential threats we deal with daily, like you know, you got that fucking kid sailing around the earth because it's flat or whatever. No, nah, I'm just kidding. It's because it's um she thinks it's all melting. Uh, <laughs> that's like that's like oh my god, like that's an imminent natural disaster right now, and it's like it's you just get scared by all this shit and. You know, and I'm not I'm not talking about environmentalism in particular, but just like, you know, like empires rise and fall, and it's not always the end of everything when they do. You know. See, when you said existential threats, I just immediately went back to the undergrads twerking in the road while I was trying to make a left hand turn. <laughs> like that's that's my existential threat, man. Yeah, uh, I can just see you like just wide eyed and like, yeah, <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, so. And starting the podcast, I still only had a, a passing interest in history. I just, I was like, I'd, you know, read some shit on Reddit that was like, oh, did you know historically there was a war over a bucket? And I was like, oh my god, there was a war over a bucket? What other weird stories are there? And then I just kept digging and digging and digging and digging. And as we've gone along, I've just developed this serious intensity about studying history. Uh, and I think a lot of our listeners have along with us because, you know, the passion rate, I would say, for, from our from the feedback we get has only been steadily increasing. But, yeah, so what's interesting about, about, um, about all of it when you start digging is you start to wonder, so who was on the right side of history, you know? And it's never really obvious, and sometimes you just have to pick a side, uh, and you might be wrong, um... Yes, you but, have to. Sometimes you have to pick a side, and you have to be honest that you've picked a side because, yeah. ultimately, if you're if you want to be an absolutist about everything, either everyone is evil completely and totally and holistically, or no one is. Like when you go through history, you find out that everybody has done some fucked up shit. Um, there's no, you know, nobody is truly sort of the the pure beacon, except for 1970s America, of course, obviously. <laughs> um, the, the golden age, the golden age. But anyway, you find out, you know, no one, no one is really innocent. And so either, you know, everyone is just bad and you can't support them, 
or no one is truly like you know integrally eternally the bad guy you know we like to think in the just stupid sort of absolutes and dichotomies it's like ah yes everything has a simple good guy bad guy scenario this is this is easy i i trust the government um (laughs) but it's just it's not like that because you know every time you say well that side's the bad guy because of this you know if you get somebody determined they can say well that actually isn't as bad as this thing that the other side did and so either you can't ultimately make a determination that ah yes this is the bad guy that's the good guy throughout all of history because you can always find something bad you you just have to be honest with yourself that a lot of the times you are whether you think about it or not you are choosing a side it's not that you are on the side of right or good or whatever it's like you've chosen that side maybe that side in that one particular instance is less morally reprehensible than another side but ultimately you choose sides there is no right and wrong side in a you know total categorical sense there are times in which one side may be morally reprehensible the other not quite as bad but once you start sort of painting with the brush of this side is evil you very quickly paint yourself into a corner because that exact same determination can very easily be turned back onto the other side too because that's just how humans are they're not that different yeah (laughs) i think that's a really good point because the whole ira thing for example um you know i had people saying to me shocky our law and i'm like okay so if i so what i knew of ireland i'm totally going to get killed by either mi6 or the ulster volunteer force like i've made peace with that (laughs) <laughs> well, that's fair. I mean, like they're probably accepted... outside my apartment right now. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm I'm convinced that at some point Dan Carlin's just going to show up and say, "You've gone too far." He's just going to shoot me in the face. <laughs> um, I've I've said I've made my peace with God. I, <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. So, like my knowledge of the IRA, um, leading up to um, uh, leading up to when we when I even. When you even schooled me on it, was a, a few grainy photos from the seventies uh, of car bombs and of and I, I was just like, oh god, what are they fighting about? Must have been bad, and that's as far as I went with it. Um, but the moment we covered the story from a holistic sense, where we went from front to back about British oppression uh, against the IRA, I eventually was like, well, shocky our law, indeed. Um, I went from being this like I don't have a dog in this fight to being like the IRA deserves to win. Uh, <laughs> orange, just... man, orange man bad. Yeah, William of Orange. <laughs> orange man um, bad. <laughs> but it, I had to, eventually. I was like, yeah, they they blew up cars. Yeah, they fought in the streets, but ultimately, were they right in doing that? Yeah, no, you know? that's that's something that I think a lot about because. Could I right now take a piece of paper, go on the internet, find a list of bad things done by the IRA? Absolutely, I could. I could find innocent people who died. You know, I could find things I very strongly disagree with on moral grounds, whatnot. But it's incredibly simplistic to think that you can decide, ah, this is a good side and this is a bad side based on just tallying up well this side did some bad things some innocent people were killed they must be the bad guys because ultimately you're going to find those facts and statistics for just about everyone um yeah it's hard to and then it just becomes kind of perverse if you think about it if you try to like tally up like total number of instances of evil indirectly or directly caused by this side and you try to like factor it in and like make an equation to see which side's the good side that just seems like perverse to me like how do you how do you equate like how many people have to be paralyzed before that equals one person being killed like it just to try to do mathematics about innocence being harmed or killed to me just seems pretty perverse which is why i just don't think that's how you should tally up you know who right and wrong um because bad things always happen like tldr of the human race bad things always happen yeah and but that's that's the tricky part of it is you know when i went into when i when i started this show i was like i don't want to take sides and i don't want to like hate on a person i just want to report the facts and let people come to their own conclusions but increasingly as i went along i i just i lost that opinion i was like no there are actually people who need to be called to task 
um, for the crimes that they committed against humanity. And part of being a content creator at all is letting people know what side you're on. Um, which, but that's, that's the other thing. That's a, that's a PSA to the entire news media. (laughs) Yeah. Um, democracy dies in darkness. Oh oh yes. Yes, it does. Oh God. You know, I was explaining to somebody the other day that, uh, Fox and CNN are owned by the same company and they were like, what? I'm like, yeah, so there it's real. You can go look at that, (laughs) but that's, uh, that's kind of where I was anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, so with with uh as we've gone through the podcast it's like you know this has been a journey to say the least from like being you know a fence sitter who's like both sides both sides did bad things so we can't take a sign at all what i've really allowed it to boil down to um you know with it all is was this person doing what they thought was right um were they absolutely convinced that it was right and that even if it was unpopular what they were doing, uh, that they needed to do it uh, for the good of as many people as possible? And that's I kind of crossed that bridge with, um, with uh, Trotsky, and I talk about it all the time, and I think my opinion would be different these days, but back then it was the first time where I was like, oh my god, this fucker actually believed like what he was saying. Like One of the last journal entries he ever wrote was like, it's too bad real communism wasn't tried, because if it had been, uh, I'd be living in a utopia right now, and there would be no threat of me being stabbed with an ice pick. Instead, I'm in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but as we've gone along, it's like these... Like Albert Johnson, for example, right? Like, there, that's a guy who was a straight-up criminal, yes. Um, but, but what was he after? Honestly, it's like it seemed like he just wanted to be left alone, right? Uh, and they were trying to take that from him, so he, you know, made a stand and then ran however many billion miles he went, and then climbed a, you know, climbed Mount Everest to escape the, uh, the fucking Mounties. And it, you look at that, and it's like, you know, that guy really, he knew what he was about, and he was chasing it, you know, or running from it, you might say. Um, and it was the same with Bob. Like Bob knew what he was all about. Um, and he was chasing it. And it's like, yeah, like, technically, you know, some of the shit that Bob did was kind of, you know, iffy. Uh, Could Bob be identified as a war criminal? Probably. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But he was living his best life. But, you know, some of my best friends come from the former Yugoslavia, so, like, those labels are meaningless. Yeah, so... It's be- and I don't know if you have this experience, but it's becoming my uh, my metric as to whether or not I like a character if they are doing what they actually believe in, acting on conviction and not just, you know, responding to stimuli with no opinion at all. Uh, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to think of another good example. Um, well, even, even somebody like... Um, like, uh, L. Ron Hubbard is mainly interesting because he knows what he's about. You know, he, like, openly admits that it's a scam. Uh, <laughs> you know, told his wife the best way to make money is to invent a religion, and then he goes and does it. And it's like, that takes balls. And that's interesting to, to hear a story about. Um, you know, but a person who's just reactive without any intention is boring. So, like... I'm trying to think of our worst, like, I would say the worst episode that a, a person I covered. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to start digging through episodes right now. But, yeah, anyway, so it's becoming my metric as to if we cover a character and they're just doing what they believe is best. Uh, so Wyatt Earp, Charles, for example. Charles Dickens was pretty bad. Charles Dickens was pretty bad. <laughs> um, it's the one that popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh... And I, I remember writing it and just feeling like, oh my god, who the fuck is this? He's nobody. He's nobody, damn it. He wrote some books. Um, but yeah, so that's that's becoming my metric. I don't know if it's it's the same for you. Yeah, um, in, in a way, um, I like to 
I like to try to tease out the arc, so to speak. Like, I don't, I don't like to just have a succession of facts. Like, I like to try to sort of place the person on some sort of moral arc. Can be a good or a bad moral arc, but I like there to be some sort of um, some sort of thread that goes through the whole thing that sort of shows, you know, either they're sort of rising up to some sort of glorious crescendo, or they're just like falling into just absolute darkness, like Ceausescu was. Yeah, well, I think that's why Ceausescu worked so well, uh, is because it was a picture of a man who had it all and literally chose to piss it away as opposed to help his fellow countrymen. He's interesting because he's almost supervillain level evil. It's like Cruella de Vil. Like, she wants her fucking spotted coat so she'll kill as many puppies as she has to. 101, in fact. Um, you know, it, just in order to have what she wants. And what makes her interesting as a character is that she's just decided she wants this coat. <laughs> and she'll do anything to get it. And what makes her the villain is um, doing anything uh, to get it, but also for an ultimately vain cause. I mean, there's something to doing whatever it takes to win for, say, your your country or your you know your people or whatever. Um, but if you're just doing it like Ceausescu, where it's I just want the biggest fucking palace you can build. That's what I want. It's ultimately you're sort of like you know. I get it. Like, I'd like to have a big palace, too, but people are, like, dying out there. Um, yeah. I don't know. Any thoughts pop up? Um. To be honest, no. Okay. I know you're dying <laughs> over there. I know you're getting sick and you're sleepy, but, um. <laughs> I don't sleep. Yeah, actually. Sleep is for the week. I stay I stay up all night in a semi-conscious daze looking at memes until the the sun starts to rise and it's time to begin the painful process all over again. I love my job, everyone. <laughs> all about that career. Um oh today fun. I was um I ended up sitting next to someone at a Stupid mandatory workshop thing I had to attend, but um, they were wearing a Marxism pin, and I was ah. wearing a Irish Republican Army pin. Oh, we, but we both noticed each other, and there was some really awkward, like you know, we're in like a a public workshop thing, is so we can not like we can say anything, but because we're both obviously outside of the the mainstream perspective, yeah. um, so there's just like this building cloud of hostility between me and this person next to me after we noticed each other's pins. <laughs> well, commies hate Christmas, so, you know, I think we all know what the good side is here. Oh, and they hate dogs, too. Christmas, dogs, actual workers, you name it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, that whole thing where he gave, where Ceausescu gave all those minors, like, fucking cancer by subjecting them to all those x-rays without any of the safety stuff, that is so fucking low. Like, seriously, fuck you, you vacuum lip piece of shit. Yeah. You know, and that's the funny thing is, like, as as I've gone along uh, throughout this stuff, you know, it started out and I was, like, studying history and I'm like, there's... There's no real good or bad guy, you know. There's there, it's a there's a balance, you know. That like, everybody does bad things, you know. I used to be like that. Now I'm just like, were they on a general path toward good or were they on a general path toward evil? You know, uh, it's like Ceausescu was on a general path toward evil, right? And along the way, he committed these horrendously super villain esque crimes, like you know, vaporizing the hearts of his own people who just wanted to be paid enough to eat at McDonald's once a month. Um, you know, and, but we've run into that shit with, uh, we ran into that shit before him with Ion Antonescu and, you know, all the, uh, all the, I mean, all the other communists that went through that. And it's, it's funny. Cause like I started this, I started this out and I, I had no strong opinions on like, you know, uh, on like certain political movements and as I've gone along just reading the history I I develop I've developed these like stronger and stronger distastes for things that have been literally tried before and never succeed and so when I see little hints of that in the modern day or I see little hints of that in a story that we're covering I just I have this gut reaction of like oh come on again yeah no and that's what, so 
going back to what we were saying about it being just sort of a perverse game to try to quantify suffering. Yeah. Because you can find it in, you know, any side of any conflict anywhere at any time. That's why like it really becomes imperative at least for me to actually think about the ideas behind it because, you know, you name a idea that you like anyone and you dig you can find where people who held that idea committed some sort of atrocity. Uh-huh. Um, so you can't really ju- necessarily judge the ideas just based on whether or not people holding them did bad things because they're going to fail every single fucking test. So you have to really, it forces you to actually engage with the ideas. Like since it's pretty clear that everybody's done bad shit, like you have to look at the ideas. Are the ideas themselves bad or is it the people who are bad who are doing the shit? Like it kind of forces you to engage on a different level than just tallying up. Well, these guys did bad things, so the ideas they held must have been bad. Where in reality, there can be you know ideas you agree with, but there are people who hold them who do bad things. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like uh, like George Orwell, for example. Okay, the dude was a socialist, and when I learned that, I was like. He was a socialist? I thought he was, like, warning about the horrors of socialism. Well, then wow, I go this, and I... This, this sounds like a certified boomer moment. Yeah, it, straight up. I, I, <laughs> I'm i 65. I'm sorry, George. Okay, boomer. <laughs> so, when I found out he was a socialist, I was like, oh my god, like... But he was warning about the horrors of socialism. And Did you find that out on a Facebook page called, like, America Freedom Eagle News? Yeah, I did. No. <laughs> I found it out uh, reading uh, Road to Wagon Pier. Um, but his whole thing was like, well, socialism is going to be a th- It's going to have to be a thing at some point. So basically, you have a choice. Do you want the uh, psychopaths to run your socialist government? Or do you want normal people who have the best interests of all in mind to run your government. And he was saying, well, you need to have the people who have your best interests in mind or the psychopaths will just take it. Like, that was his whole thing. Um, And it's so funny because my knee-jerk reaction to just the word socialist uh, sort of proved that I'd never really engaged with the ideas. Uh, I I just saw the word socialist and I'm like, oh God, these guys again. You want another soy sandwich, buddy? You know, that kind of shit. Um, but when I actually started engaging with the idea, and as, as well as with, like, communism, but not just communism as a whole, we're, like, Chinese communism versus Russian communism versus North Korean communism and all that. Like, they all have their own, diff- their own like, little signature moves, right? Uh, and differentiating between them is actually way the hell more work than just going communism bad uh because you know it's like everybody's well i need to stop on that rant there but you get what i'm getting after oh yeah no i'm I'm picking up what you're putting down yeah we have to you have to and that but that's the thing about studying history and not that i'm some kind of scholar because i'm just a fucking podcaster um with an internet connection and a microphone um when you study it, if you really want to take it seriously slash make it interesting for a show, you have to like put on the hat for a little while, um, where you have, you have to be able to, and I've said this before, but you have to be able to entertain ideas without agreeing with them, without believing them. Uh, you know, like the only way on to, um, so, like the only way for me to engage with atheism was to actually be like, okay, what if I was an atheist? What if I did actually believe all this stuff? And, um, you know, it was the same with communism. It was like, of course I understand the plight of the worker. And of course I understand why this communist shit would spread so fast in a place like Tsarist Russia. Now I get it. That doesn't mean I agree with it, but I do get it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of like physical force Republicanism, (laughs) you know, it's like, unless you become Ted Cruz with a bat, you don't understand (laughs) physical force Republicanism. (laughs) Uh, Unless you've spent 800 years having your nation perpetually curb stomped by, you know, a bunch of rotten mouthed buck savages across the Irish Sea. <laughs> I don't take I don't take sides, folks. I don't take sides. Um, anyway, <clears throat> unless that's happened. Yeah, you don't understand physical force Republicanism. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, so that's that's been, I would say, the major change in me since I really started going after history is I've started like taking sides, and I try not to, I try not to show too much of that on the show, but I show just enough, I think, <laughs> that people could probably guess where I fall on certain issues, especially with an episode, a series like Wyatt Earp. It's like by the end of that thing, I was clearly hating on the guy. I was not a fan. Um, I thought everything he did was stupid. And what's funny about that is it actually became more entertaining once I started getting more opinionated about it. Because before it was just like, Wyatt Earp was born. And it's, you know, it's, there's, it's just not even content. It's just stuff. It's like if I started listing, you know, the numbers in pi, you know. But, yeah, so my perspective on history went from, I don't care, to, oh, this is interesting to, holy shit, I can't believe, like, I didn't know this, and, you know, it's so complicated, you mean, what do you mean the Germans weren't exactly the bad guys in World War One? like, they were, they were just a, they weren't, you know, they but, weren't evil? But Aaron, the Germans <laughs> have always been the Nazis. That's true. Twelfth century, Nazis. Yep. <laughs> German unification, Nazis. World it's War One, so, Nazis. Yeah, it's so funny, though, because... It, when I really, if I'm being really honest, that's how I felt until I listened to Dan Carlin's uh, World War One series. That's amazing. I didn't know you were. God. I know that's stupid. Wow, what a but fucking it, loser. <laughs> Here's Sorry. the thing, though, man. Like, I, it's funny. I, I get it. It's fun, but like, I think a lot of people really think that way. Oh no, they they absolutely do. Actually, yeah. I yeah no I. I remember, I remember getting teased as a kid because I had German ba uh, background, um, which I was like, why? Yeah. Like, it's literally fucking cool. Well, I didn't say it's literally fucking cool because I was five, but um, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, just, it's just a, it's just a meme is what it is. Um, but I think it's, it's that way with, you know, Ireland, for example, it's like, up until I, you taught me about, you know, the, some basic stories of, of the IRA, I literally thought of Ireland as Lucky Charms land. Ah, oh, and yes. there was... Some the Shamrock nice, Shakes. Yeah. Like, there were some nice pictures, and they drank a lot of beer, and they said, hoi, a lot. You know, like, I knew all that. But I didn't know the, the actual story. Um, so my ability to engage with it was severely limited. It's the same with Romania. Literally until I covered Nicolae Ceausescu, I knew shit about Romania. I didn't know a damn thing. I was just like, oh, Romania, Romania. Okay, Romania. Like, are they Romans? What? <laughs> it's, one, it's one of those weird countries that are somewhere between... I think, like, most people, I think, know about where Germany is, but anything really between Germany and the Middle East... All they don't they they don't really know anything about in my yeah. experience. Like, wh where's Azerbaijan? Fuck if I know. <laughs> yeah. Where's Romania? Nope. Bulgaria? Nope. Well, it's like people still think Czechoslovakia Czechoslovakia is a real country, and it's not. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, in peace. Yeah. <laughs> um. But but that just that just kind of goes to show like. What you're really dealing with when you engage with historical content is a listener might be like, oh yeah, Canada's just this, you know, it's like America's hat. <laughs> but then you start engaging with it and you're like, oh, it was actually, it's actually way the hell more than that. And its history is far richer than I ever could have, you know, really dreamed of. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like with any, anything like this, it's like, you can't really be ashamed because you just didn't know. Um you know, not knowing that, uh, well, I don't want to start just listing examples, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so uh, I'm still thinking about Czechoslovakia <laughs> and how it should, you know what it should be called? Hmm. It should have been called Zapadoslavia because Yugoslavia literally means land of the, of the South Slavs because it has all the South Slavic peoples, the Slovenes, the Serbs, the Croats, uh, the Montenegrins who were also Serbs, uh, the Bosnians. We're not even going to get into that, but they're all the South Slavs. <laughs> Czechoslovakia encompassed all the West Slavs, so they should have done the same. They should have had the same name. It should have been Land of the West Slavs, which would be Zapadoslavia, which sounds amazing. 
That Zapata Slavia sounds like a weird dish you'd get in Zapata Slavia. <laughs> ah, I went to Zapata Slavia to get the Zapata Slavia. Could you could can you imagine if we had like a meal called America? <laughs> I don't even want to try. Yeah. It's just a heart attack on a plate. <laughs> um Yeah, so it's interesting also to to have listeners reach out and be like they're along for the ride with us. They saw at the beginning of the show me starting out as like a complete like, oh, we're covering John Wilkes Booth and Boston Corbett and and now we're going to cover David Koresh who was clearly the bad guy. You know, like all that shit. Um people have been going on this journey with us. Um, you know, me and James until recently when you took over uh, you fucking colonizer. <laughs> I have <laughs> colonized this podcast. <laughs> Your output is incredible. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, my brain is dying. I'm, I'm really, really cold and tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, it's been a fun journey. It's been a, it's been a, it's been interesting, but the other, one other thing I want to point out is, uh, the one thing I've, uh, the other thing I've started to realize is just the scale of what we're engaging with. Um, you know, the British Empire is the tip of the iceberg. When you really start digging, if you want to get answers, you're going to go to some rough places. Like I, I think I told you this. I know I told James, um, but we did a episode on a guy named Sabatai Zevi. I remember. I, I remember listening to that. Yeah. In the rain, walking <laughs> back from work. Yeah, well, it's like I didn't even realize how close to the sun we were flying with that one. Because apparently he's the center of tons of conspiracy theories and, like, weird shit like that. I didn't know that when I covered him. I was just like, oh, another cult leader. Well, he's he's in the middle of all these, like, insane conspiracy theories that are, you know, driving people to turn into little Alex Joneses. Um, but I didn't realize how connected that was with a whole lot of other shit. And... You know, that just goes to show that, like, you you can even do your own research and still miss something. I don't know. Are you still thinking about Czechoslovakia? No, 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 no. I'm thinking about Sabotage Zivai. Whatever the yeah. hell his name is. Yeah. I, I just, it's like, but that's that's the other thing of it is, like, with Wyatt Earp, like, that's a cultural icon. Well, you go and you find out that he's, you know actually a really weird dude who probably murdered several people um and you know had his hands tied up with hollywood and all this shit it's like unless you do your own digging and you start like admitting what you're seeing you're still gonna have that little wyatt earp caricature in the back of your head uh damn i'm fading fast sort of like winston churchill Yes. Oh God, Winston Churchill. Fuck that's that a guy. That's a great example. Like we covered him on the show, and we thought we were being fair. We were like, "Yeah, he was a really bad guy, but he was the man we needed to beat the Nazis." But the more you read about him, and the more you run into him as you go through history, you're like, "This fucking guy again." You know, and every time I've talked, I've talked about doing, like, covering him again because he deserves it because. The more shit I dig up on Winston Churchill, the angrier I get about that guy. Weren't we just talking about how I'm already living in fear of British intelligence? Yeah, well, I soon will be. <laughs> just gonna compound it. Yeah. Gonna have to start podcasting on the road. Yep, yep. We're gonna start ha- having to cover, like, really decent British people just to cover the asses of the really crappy British elite. But, I don't know. I don't know if there's any, uh... If we can find enough to to cover up the crimes of their elite, um, I mean, elites. What yeah. Can you say. Yeah. Halo Two. <laughs> God damn, that was a long time ago. Speaking of Halo Two, um, you never asked me how I got into history. Oh shit! How did you get into history, George? Fucking Age of Empires, man. Really? Playing that, yeah, playing that shit since I was like five. What was it about it that made you go? I must learn more, more as a wee lad. I don't know. I just, um, you know, they, the, they always had the campaigns. Like the first one was like bronze age. So you'd Hittites and stuff. But like the second one was medieval. It's, so you had like the William Wallace campaign. You know, this is like nineties computer gaming. And I remember how 
awesome it looked at the time, and I look back at it now, and it's like, that's literally four pixels. Yeah. <laughs> but something about it, just of, of playing through these scenarios of historical events, I just... I just love that shit, and uh, that's kind of how it kind of how it all started. I never really, uh, I never really wavered from being really into history from the time I was like five and started playing Age of Empires. Well, where did you go from Age of Empires? Was it just books or, or um, YouTube? Let's see. Uh, we didn't have internet when I was little. Um, I actually remember what my first internet search was. Do you want to? Do you want to guess? Uh. IRA. No. Okay. It was before I knew about the IRA. Uh, Postopia. No. No? No? Okay, I'm out. Genghis Khan. Oh, that's a good one. Because I was like seven, or maybe eight when we got internet, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to read about Genghis Khan. Well, that's better than me, because when I said Postopia, that was what I, the first thing I ever searched. I saw an ad... On a on a commercial on Cartoon Network or something for like, uh, Post Serials has now a website for children and you can go on it and play games and, you know I was like oh shit we have internet now so I go and hit the dial up and, um, you know uh, and I'm gonna add in a dial up sound here because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> God, I remember what was Mini Clip was I remember that that site mm-hmm. for games when I was younger. Yep, Mini Clip was a big one, but before all of them was Postopia and it was just literally I clicked it I clicked loaded it up. It took like 20 minutes <laughs> for it to load and it was just the main screen and I clicked on one of the games and it took like another 20 minutes and by the <laughs> about the time the game was about 78 75% loaded, my mom's voice started coming through the dial-up connection cuz the way, I can't remember exactly why that happens, but like if you're on a dial-up connection and somebody's on the phone, you can hear their voice. Because um, the way the way dial-up works is it sends a signal, uh, like a sound, through the phone, uh, which communicates with a computer. It's really weird. So that when you hear that dial-up sound, that that beeping, like that, eeny eeny eeny, like that. It's that's like a the fucking aliens and signs. Yeah, it's a code. Um, there was a guy years ago who figured this out and he started communicating with computers using only his mouth. Uh, he learned the sounds that were required to like set off a fire alarm in a building through the internet and he would do it just by making noises with his mouth. Like he figured that shit out and did it. That's terrifying. It's creepy as hell. And when you understand that context, the dial up sound sounds like something out of hell. (laughs) It's really weird. Um, but anyway, so you Googled Genghis Khan. Yep, yep. But yeah, so no, I used to, you know, I check out random books from the library and save up my money to buy any historical based, you know, like real time strategy game that came out. And then I had an I had an older brother who actually went to Ireland uh, to stay with the family there for a while. And when he came back, that's when I got into the IRA, so I was probably eight, maybe. Was he deconverted uh, from Britain worship while he was there? Uh, to some extent, yeah. But he brought me back a bunch of uh, CDs of IRA music. That's awesome. Direct from the source, bottled at the source. <laughs> bottled at the source, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so just I um, I I, I just love narr um, I love narratives. Like I lo- I love stories. I fucking love telling stories and hearing stories. And so history was just like the best and coolest source of stories. Yeah. That's God for sure. God knows they're cooler stories than fucking happen, you know, in your daily life, so. I yeah. sort of <laughs> had recourse to all these awesome stories that were generally better than, like, the made-up stories you could get in fiction. That's There's true. Some, you know, some fiction's fine, but, like, a lot of fiction I just find is pales in comparison to actual real history like fucking bob you couldn't write the story of bob and make it good it would just be stupid if you tried to write it yeah that's that's for sure um it it just like the fact that it's real is what makes it interesting because like oh you know you make a 3x structure movie and it's about this guy who like takes over an island and and you know it like gets boring and almost shoots immediately. the torturer in the jeep as he's driving towards him. Yeah, well, here and here's here's an interesting thing about 
about that authenticity you get with history is here the effect that it has on a story is significant so a good example of this in you know outside of the historical context is that the Cohen brothers when they made uh, Fargo uh, put at the front end this story is true some of the names have been changed uh, to preserve the identities you know to protect those involved uh, that was just a fucking lie um, but the first time I watched it I'm like this shit really happened like I couldn't believe what I was watching I was like that's insane. But when I found out later that it was it was made up and it was part of like building a false sense of authenticity, I was like, "Huh, that's kind of like what history's like." When you say this really happened this way, it also it all of a sudden has this sort of authority, um, and that's the that's that's where it gets dangerous when you're studying history. Is you go, "Did it happen this way?" And then the official narrative is like, "It happened this way," and considering any other way is wrong. Think and. Yeah, that's where it gets scary. That's where you get into, into scary territories when you start really, really digging. Especially when you start questioning. You're like, but it doesn't make any sense that Winston Churchill was the good guy. You know? He was like an alcoholic who, like, walked around naked in front of the prime... Or the, not the prime minister, but, like, his cabinet members. And he said Gandhi should be crushed by an elephant. And he also caught... You know, I, I don't know. But you get into that shit and... Uh, sorry, just got a text. Um, you get into that shit, and it's like you start you start realizing that like maybe maybe all the stuff I was told needs to be re-examined. You know, that's interesting. It's it's and it's confusing and kind of scary sometimes. We're breaking the conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's the horrible thing about all of this is I didn't I didn't set out with this show to like become like you know countercultural i set out with the show just to get to the bottom of some things and when i started digging it was like i couldn't find the bottom until i really really went like and completely dedicated myself to it and just said you know what here's what i'm going to do i'm going to read and i'm going to listen and i'm going to watch and i'm going to do all the research i need to do and I'm going to allow myself to come to whatever conclusion that all the facts point to. And I'm not going to be afraid of it, no matter what it is. And that's why at the end of the day, I can comfortably say that uh, real communism has never been tried and we need to immediately enforce it upon the American people. Pers <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> I am. I just attempted and failed. To drink some of my off-brand Sprite. <laughs> what? Why don't you tell everyone what you're consuming over there? I have off-brand Pop-Tarts, toaster treats, and I have off-brand Sprite called Citrus Drop. <laughs> it truly, stick it, stick it to I the man. Like <laughs> I live like a king, truly. <laughs> Basically Bob Denard all over again. Yeah, if only I could grow a mustache that good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, I feel talked out. It's been an hour. Um, people are going to shut this off five minutes in anyway, so... <laughs> hey! We're just, we're just talking to empty air. Yep. So, uh, yeah, uh, drive across the country went well. I arrived safely, everybody. It's great to be back. The Midwest is cold. I'm in a trailer and very tired. Uh... I'm going to go to bed almost immediately after this. And, uh, yeah, next week we'll be beginning either a new series or we'll have one full episode. I'd like to have just one clean, you know, yeah. full episode. No series. Yeah. Just to get back to the formula. But um, glad you guys are enjoying the show. Always appreciate feedback and people reaching out. Um, you can uh, support the show on Patreon, but most of all, you can support it by telling your friends. I get lonely uh, on the Facebook page. Yes, yes, George does get lonely on the Facebook page. Sometimes I get lonely on the Twitter, uh, but that's because I just don't really use it anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much for your support, um, your continued patronage, um, and putting up with uh, with us working our way through Ireland for an entire. I'm just kidding. Everyone loved it. I know it, and you know it. <laughs> it was good. We may return to the. Uh, to the the green aisle once again sometime soon 
George, would you like to say anything to the listeners before we close out? Um, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Oh, fun story, fun story. I've already okay. told you, so you don't you don't count. Fuck off. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> so, during the, uh, is it is an IRA story. So, the weapon that was the most commonly used by the IRA during the Troubles was the Armalite AR-18, which had been developed by the Armalite Company of California, and it was actually, it was a solid gun. It was cheaper to make than the M16, had a few flaws, but they could have been pretty easily worked out. But... Because a lot of countries had just switched over and adopted the whole M16 platform, they weren't interested in a slightly improved, slightly cheaper version since they would have had to change out everything because it's a you know it's a completely different system. So nobody's really interested, so they started just selling mostly to civilians. Well, because they were a lot of gun for the money, American gun runners thought the IRA would probably be interested. So they started running guns across the sea to Ireland and selling there to the IRA, who loved them. It became kind of the unofficial weapon of the IRA. It was the Armalite. And at a certain point, you actually got a song written by a Republican band from Belfast called My Little Armalite. Um, great song, by the way. I recommend you look it up. Um, the, the producer of the record company was shot by the Ulster Volunteer Force for recording it. But this band eventually does a little tour in the U.S., and somehow news gets back to the Armalite Corporation about this song, My Little Armalite. And now, you know, we live in 2019, the current year. Um, if people, if company found out now that a nationalist paramilitary extremist group was, you know, like singing about its product, they'd be horrified. They'd be on Twitter issuing apologies. But this was the good old days. And so Armalite Corporation buys fucking a thousand LPs of the song to distribute to all their salesmen to use in their sales pitches to sell the Armalite AR-18. That's amazing. I'm amazed the second time, having heard it a second time. Hey, I think that's that's great. You know, they're not even going to have to look it up, because I'm going to stick that song at the end of this episode. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell. And by the way, guys, by the way, we're about to hit a major milestone. You know what comes next week? Episode 100. Christmas? No. Oh, no. We're getting into the triple digits now, <laughs> which means we're about two years old. Let that sink in for a minute. You know what that means? That we're only two years away from reaching relevancy. So we just have to hang on and keep yelling about the IRA and communists in Romania, and sooner or later this will be a viable career, I hope to God. Just two more years of yelling into the void, huh? Yep, just two more years. I've been yelling into the void since I turned 18. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck it. Two more years, two more years, two oh my more gosh. years. Oh, uh, what, what was the... Oh, yeah, I was playing Quiplash with some friends the other night, and they said the, the prompt was... Um, was... Uh, Oh, fuck, I can't remember what it was. I made a joke about Beto O'Rourke dropping out of the race, and I was in a room full of artists, and they all, like, figured <laughs> say out no it. More, say no more, fam. <laughs> they all looked at me like I was, like, anti-Beto, and I was like, y'all don't know me. <laughs> I'm not anti-anything. I'm pro-history podcast and pro-physical force republicanism. <laughs> Chucky Arla. Yeah, shocky our law indeed. All right, with that, everybody, uh, appreciate you, uh, appreciate you as always, and we're gonna let the sounds of my little armalite play you out today. Take fucking care. I'm just down along the fall road, it's where I long to be. Lying in the dark with the Provo Company. A comrade on me left, I another one on me right. A clip of ammunition for me little armalite. I was stopped by a soldier, he said you are a swine He hit me with his rifle and he kicked me in the groin I begged and I pleaded, oh my manners were polite But all the time I'm thinking of me little arm light And it's down in the bog side, it's where I long to be Lying in the dark with the Provo Company A comrade on me left and another one on me right and a clip of ammunition for me little armalite Well, this 
brave are you seamen came marching up our street six hundred British soldiers he had lined up at his feet come out your curly pinions come on out and fight he cried him only joking when he heard the armor light and it's down in Malahi it's where I long to be lying in the dark with the Provo company a comrade on me left and another one on me right a clip of ammunition for me little armor light Well, the army came to visit me, it was in the early hours With Saracens and Saladins and ferret armored cars The doctor had me cornered, but I gave them all a fright With the armor piercing bullets off me, little arm alight And it's thrown in the new lodge, it's where I long to be Lying in the dark with the Provo company A comrade on me left and another one on me right a clip of ammunition for me little arm alive. Well, when Pryor came to Belfast to see the battles won, the generals they had told him, we've got them on the run. But corporals and privates, while on patrol at night, say, remember narrow water and the bloody arm alive. And it's down across the glen, it's where I long to be. Lying in the dark with the Provo company, a comrade on me left and another one on me right, and a clip of ammunition for me little arm aligned.